Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. As we finish, guys, chapter 21 tonight, we have learned some amazing things from Abraham, right? Because Abraham showed us that he had, well, he had to, well, we'll call it a privilege. He had a privilege to navigate the high highs of life and the low lows of life. And of course, we go, man, I can relate because there are some times when I'm just really super stoked about stuff and life is going good. And then there's times when it's like, man, I'm in bummer city and I'm just really, 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 really not, not, not having it, man. I'm just really a low life. We learned, guys, in the first 14 verses of chapter 21 that they were divided. Chapter 21 is actually divided between the happy, joyous time and a very low time in the life of Abraham. And if you recall, chapter 21 started off with just this amazing time in Father Abraham's life. You've got to understand that, right? Because he didn't have any kids. And all of a sudden, he's old, right? He's old, and Sarah's old. And all of a sudden, she's the recipient of God's amazing promise. And I love that. Why? Because it's not about age when God promises things to us. He, he wants to bless us and he wants to take care of us. And, and Abraham gets this. You go, well, Ben, what happened? Well, guess what? Even at an old age, at a very old age, right? Sarah is pregnant with Isaac, right? The promise is true. God said, listen, you're going to have a kid. You're going to name him Isaac. This is what it's going to be. And she's like, oh my goodness, I'm so old. And she laughed in doubt. She laughed in doubt, right? And, but, but God goes, no, 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 it's not doubt. It's, it's true. It's true. So Abraham is pumped. Abraham is excited. Abraham's going, this is crazy. I can't believe this. God, you're amazing. And then he goes from there to a very low, low time. Why? Because Sarah comes back. She gives instructions that Haggad and Ishmael, right? They had to leave. They had to go. They're not, they're not gelling with each other anymore. This is not happening, right? And there's some strife between a little three or four-year-old kid named Isaac and a 15-year-old named Ishmael. There's some strife. The Bible says that Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom born to Adam, scoffing, scoffing. The, the Hebrew word is sakah, and it means to scorn, to laugh, to mock, to make fun of. And you can imagine how cruel a 15-year-old would be to a little three-year-old, the child, the child of promise. It wasn't just like, oh, don't follow me around, get out of my room, leave my stuff alone. It was more than that. It was like, are you serious? And they would mock him. Oh, look at you, little Isaac. Ha, ha, ha. You want to see laughter? I'm going to make you cry. I don't know if he says that, but you know what I'm talking about. Kids can be pretty tough, specifically teenagers. And he says, she says, nope, nope, not going to have it. In verse 10, she tells Abraham, guess what? They got to go. They got to go. And what happens, guys, is Abraham is super bummed because he listens to the voice of Sarah. Okay. And we learned that we all go through that in our lives, guys. We go through super low times in our lives, just like Abraham. Oftentimes, we try to navigate the same things. Now, think about this. Navigating the lows has to start with perspective. 
That's so important because now listen, we all love being on the mountaintop, man. We all love, but we don't like it when we're in the valley. We don't like it when we're called to the hospital because our loved one is sick. We don't like it when, I mean, we just, we're just like, whoa, come on. And, 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 and we don't like that area, but we have to, we have to navigate those things in our life because those are the things that happen. The things that happen in our life are very practical. They're very real. Like when the doctor calls you in and says, hey, by the way, your wife found a lump. Now she has cancer. What are we going to do with this? This is a very low, low time in our lives. Why? Because automatically we start thinking it's a death sentence. It's done. Or, or when the doctor calls you up and says, oh, so-and-so had a stroke and they're in here and you're just like, oh my goodness. Or you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. There's some very joyous times and there's some very low, low times. But what we got to understand, according to the scripture, is that navigating those low times start with perspective. First and foremost, we must understand that there are times in life when we are sad, when we are bummed, when we feel dry. Can I get an amen? There are those times. We cannot fool ourselves and think, well, I'm a Christian, and so now everything's going to be amen, and I'm going to walk on water, and we're going to be singing, I'm walking on sunshine, right? We, that's, that's just not the Christian life. There's not, I mean, we, we, we all face the same life. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust as well. It's just life. I don't like it, but I know it's a part of life. I know it's a part of life. And so, and so all of a sudden we see this. But, but when we feel this way, we must remember. We must remember that God is with us through the good times. And he's with us through the bad times. That's what we must remember. I think about my boy David in the Psalms, right? I think about my boy David. David in writing gives us some insight into the high highs and the low lows. One moment, David is like, oh, God, what are you doing? My life is falling apart. I can't believe you. Oh, praise the next psalm. He's like, praise the Lord, man. This is awesome. God, you are amazing. And then the next psalm is like, oh, my God. Why are my enemies after me? And, and can we not relate? If you've ever read the psalms, we can relate, right? You start going, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Why don't people just listen to me? Why don't they just do what I say? And ah, But listen to this. Listen, as David writes this, listen to this. Okay, it's Psalm 43. Okay, listen to this. He starts off by telling the Lord, vindicate me, O God. David's writing, vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. You are the God of my strength. And why do you cast me off? Have we prayed like that? You're you're amazing, God, but why won't you listen to me? I said that to God this morning. I said that, you did? And you're the pastor? Yeah. I I feel like this sometimes. Why won't you listen to me? Why are you? He says, why are you mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send your light and your truth, David says. Then he says, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God. To my God with exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. And then he says this, listen. Like if that wasn't, he's like, okay. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Can we relate? Right? Why are you so, man, why am I so super bummed, man? He says, why are you disquieted within me? And then he turns around and he says, oh, hope in God. 
for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So David actually shows us what it's like to navigate the high, high and the low lows. But you got to remember, even in Psalm 43, he never took his eyes off God. He never took his eyes off God. Guys, we have a bad habit of looking at the circumstances in our lives and not looking at the God that created us and knows us. Think about it. What's going on in your life right now that the devil wants you to get your eyes on that? And not at all that what God is doing. You go, well, Ben, 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 I feel so dry. I don't feel like God is doing anything in my life. No, but sometimes God works behind the scenes. Sometimes he's working behind the scenes to bring to pass what he wants. Our our decision is this, guys. We have two roads. We have a road to follow in obedience and trust the Lord, or we can do it our way. That's the bottom line. We can do it our way, right? Well, for Abraham, Abraham had to have the right godly perspective. The right godly perspective. It's so interesting what happens. Haas isn't here, but last night he told us in discipleship that they gave him the wrong power lenses for his eyes. I, from my understanding, they actually like doubled it and it, what, it, what he needed, right? He, he was bifocal contact lenses and, and he's walking around. And he's like, man, I got a headache. And it was just, it was just something wasn't right. Well, he had the wrong lenses. Anybody, anybody getting this? Right? Because that's what happens if we have the wrong lenses in our walks in this life, sometimes we'll get the wrong perspective. And we'll walk around with a spiritual headache going, I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't know what's happening. He says, no, no, put on the Jesus glasses. Put on, trust him. Trust him. And that's what Abraham does, guys. Why? Because it's with God's grace that he actually sends Hagar and Ishmael away. How are you going to send your boy away? Hey, you got to go. Where am I going to go? I don't know. Go with your mom. Say what? Say what? Remember, listen, listen. Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he took bread and a skin of water and he put it on her shoulder and gave it to her and, and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered the wilderness of Beersheba and the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. So, I mean, this is really just a, this is just a sad verse. Abraham gets up early. Man, I, I just, I just love Abraham. Anybody can relate? Why? I wish I was more like Abraham. He's very decisive. Once he made up his mind, once he listened, once God said, no, listen to your wife. The next thing he did is he got up and he did it. I, on the other hand, might have procrastinated just a little bit. Okay? I would avoid Sarah. <laughs> I'd have been over here going, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm getting some stuff. Hold on. We're getting some stuff for her. Let me just, yeah, and maybe a day would go by, and maybe two days, and maybe three days would go by, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I, I thought I had to do something. What did I have to do, sweetie? Send her away. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Gosh, lady. You know, and so... But he doesn't. He gets up early in the morning and he does it. He's obedient to the Lord. Because the Lord came and said, hey, listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. 
What's his perspective? What's his perspective? So the first thing we learn, guys, is that Hagar finds herself in a very difficult situation. A very difficult situation. Why? She only has water, skin, and some bread. This isn't good. Right? This isn't good. This is a difficult situation. You know what the equivalent would be like? Taking the internet away from the kids. That's what it would be like. Do you all think you could live without the internet for a week? No phone, no text, no email. What do you think? Like they're all looking down. They're like, mm it's hard, right? We've become so dependent. And you go, those are just kids. Do you think you could live without the internet for a week? We do the majority of our business. We do the majority of our communicating through the internet. And the equivalent would be, boy, that would be a difficult, that would be a crazy time. Well, this is even deeper, right? Because it's just, it's just bread and water. This isn't good. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, is this, ready? How will Hagar respond? How is she going to respond? Right? Or, or how about this? How do we respond in difficult situations? How do we respond? You see, because here's what's happening, church. We're trying to navigate life, but we're believers. We're believers. That's different. You see... Those in the world are trying to navigate based on world, but we want to navigate and we're believers. And so we have the Holy Spirit inside us. We have that to navigate, to help us get where we're supposed to go. So the question is, how do we respond in difficult times? And if we're truly, truly honest, as a whole, we don't do very good in difficult times. We don't. And what we tend to do, quite honestly, is we tend to misrepresent God in the way we handle difficult times. Oh, I blew it. Oh, I misrepresented the Lord. Oh, I can't believe this happened. I cannot believe this happened. When we first moved to Lubbock, you guys don't know this, because maybe Sophie and Yvonne, because they've been here the longest, but when we moved to Lubbock, guys, we went through a really difficult time, financially. The church wasn't paying, didn't, didn't have any money. We were barely, barely scraping by. I couldn't find a job. The jobs that I found that I had to get was eight to five because I was teaching on Wednesdays and I was teaching on Sundays and I couldn't find a job and I saw our savings start to go, start to go, start to go, start to go. I mean, it went all the way down to zero. I mean, we could not, this was not good. You go out and try to plant a church and watch your savings and almost just destroy. What are you thinking? I made a mistake, Lord. I shouldn't have come to Lubbock. I made a mistake. And I remember misrepresenting God because I remember going out going, oh, so this is what you do to guys that serve you, huh? This is what you do to guys like me. I come out. I left my whole family in New Mexico. I came out. I planted this church. I don't know anybody here, God, and this is what I'm doing. And the Lord's like, okay, you done? You done? No, Lord, I still got more. But anyways, the point was, God says, no, no, no. Here, listen. If you're going to represent me, you need to represent me to the church in good times and in bad times. Hey, perspective. Perspective. I wish I learned that. It took a while. 
And so how do we respond to difficult times? Why? The desert in our story, guys, is a picture of difficulty, but it's also a picture of opportunity. If you recall the story that we talked about last week, right? The story we talked about last week is about the woman who found herself in a very difficult situation. She wrote her mother and she says, I can't dig it. I want to come home. And her mother's words were, were these. Two men looked into the prison bars. One saw mud and the other saw stars, right? And she kind of just read that. And as the woman read those lines over and over, she decided to change. Why? She said, I'm going to start looking for the stars. I'm going to start looking for the stars. And and she made a choice. She made a choice. In our difficult days, we too have a choice. I want to ask you this question. Do you look and see the mud or do you look for the stars? What do you look for? Because this is one of those questions we go, man, I, I got to be honest with you. There's a lot of times in my life I look for the mud. But I don't want that anymore. I want to look for the stars. I want to look for the stars. I want to see the good. I want to see what God wants to do. And, and, and I want godly perspective. How many of you here tonight know that God's got your back no matter what? How many? I mean, you really know that God, God has it all under control no matter what. And the issues you face and the, and the difficulties you face, you still know that God is going to take care of you. He's going to love you. He's going to support you. He's going to save you. He's already saved you. That's what God does. We, we live that way, right? We know that in our hearts. God's got this. But we still have the wrong perspective in difficult times. We see mud. We see mud. I don't want to see mud anymore. I want to see the stars. I can't control what people do. I need to look at the stars. I need to look at the stars. Can I get an amen? amen? It says, then what happened to Hagar? Well, she went, sat down, look at, she's, she doesn't know. She's looking at, she's looking at the mud. Why? Because she sat down about a hundred yards away and I don't want to, he says, I don't want to watch the boy die. And then she said this, she burst into tears and God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God heard the boy crying. As he lies there. Now, here's what we can apply the text to our lives, right? The sun is super hot, okay? The water's gone. They have no food. And of course, we talked about this last week. This can be reality of life for some people. This can be, right? We call them life's difficulties. That's what we call. They can be like the heat of summer, Okay, I was telling Miss Beverly just a minute ago, I said, man, I can't believe how hot it is. I'm, I'm just sweating. And she goes, well, it's about 100 outside. And I see, I sit in my office, I have a fan underneath, and, and I'm okay. It's not, I'm not cold, but, uh, but it's okay until I get out, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's hot. So we know that this could be life difficulties. And you go, well, Ben, like what? Well, like what? Well, examples are disease. Disease, things that scare us. Yeah, Tiffany can relate. I mean, she got a scare this morning. Right? What about death? Death of a loved one. Death of a loved one. Wow. That can be a difficult situation. A job loss. A divorce. Those are difficult times. A rebellious child. Or what we call a prodigal child. One that runs off. Where is she? Where is she? We saw a documentary the other night on 
on 48 Hours about, about these women who were being killed in Albuquerque. And Natalie goes, we were there when, in 2003, we were there and these women were being, were being these prostitutes and, and drug girls were being killed and, and buried out in the West Mesa. And it was just like, man, what a difficult season. They showed a little daddy looking for the daughter driving up and down Central Avenue looking for her baby. Our heart broke. Our heart broke, God. Difficult times. I mean, we see those, we see those, we see those when parents say, please, 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 be careful, please don't. It's not because we want to be mean or we want to, it's because we love. We love. We know that's an evil world out there. Amen? The world is evil. What else? Well, some difficulties, some difficulties can be by our doing, right? We can do it. You go, amen, brother, amen. I mean, we think about, you know, Adam and Eve, right? Guess what? <laughs> where, where was Adam? Adam, where was Eve? Eve's like, okay, I'll, I'll try it, you know, try this, honey. Next thing you know, we're all in a mess. We're all in a mess. Here, here's the thing, right? Because we all think, tell me you don't think this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a talk with that Adam, boy. I'm going to have a talk with that Eve. I'm going to, we would do the same thing. We, there's not a one of us that would have said, nope, not me. I think I would have abstained from the fruit. You would have been the same way, right? You would have been the same way. Why? Because it happens in your life even today. Oh, should I sin? No, I better not sin. Oh, okay, I think I will, you know, and, and we do the same thing. But, but, but other times, guys, it's at the hands of others, right? Difficulties. Why? Because Sarah and Abraham, think about it. Sarah and Abraham, right? They, they're the ones who engaged Hagar. She didn't want to do any of this. Okay, okay. Yet the promise for us, guys, is that God never leaves us alone in the difficulties of life. Oh, how that needs to be rooted in our hearts. God never leaves us alone. I believe God is shade for the journey we call life. Well, what happened? What happened to Hagar? Well, then God opened her eyes and she saw the well of water and she went in and filled the skin with water and she gave the lad a drink, right? So God is not only shade, but he's the living water. Oh, church, church, church. We must be a praying church, a church and ask God to open our eyes to the living, to the living water of his word and his salvation. That's what we need. That's what we need. Listen to me. Write this down in your notes, Okay. And you'll remember this day. We're living in the last days. Well, Pastor, I thought we had 100 years. We're living in the last days. I'm telling you. And Jesus might come back for us very, very soon, even within the next five seconds. Wouldn't that be awesome? What do I tell you, church? Plan your lives like he's not coming back for a hundred years. But live your life like he's coming back tonight. Plan it. Have babies. Buy a house. Amazing. Raise a family. Awesome. Plan it. Save for college. But live your life. And when you hear that trumpet, man, you're ready to go home. You're ready to go home. Live your life pouring into your kids they are not living in the same world that y'all lived in, that we lived in. They're not. They're not. My grandbaby is five years old, and she's growing up in a, in, in, in a world that is like, wow. How do we navigate this? It's evil. It's evil. And it's only getting worse. 
We, parents, listen, we have to do even a better job of pouring in the gospel to their little hearts because of what they're going to see and what they're going to face. We have to do a better job. We have to be on top of that. You go, Pastor How, Man, read the word. Find books that'll help you prepare your child for what, what this world has. I mean, they're going to see stuff, guys, that we didn't even, that we didn't even see. They're going to see, they're going to try to navigate what's right and what's wrong. It's a crazy world. And I don't know if you read this, but uh, there was an author, okay, who wrote a very popular book a few, few years ago. It, it, it was, his name is Joshua Harris. And he said, I kissed dating goodbye. And it went, I mean, that was a, that was a big book and how he just godly principle is going to wait for the Lord. I kissed dating goodbye. Anybody remember who Joshua Harris is? Well, he ended up going out, selling a big book, ended up being a pastor, okay? Pastoring a church, telling people about Jesus. Just on Monday, he came out and he announced that he didn't believe in God anymore. He renounced his faith and then apologized to the LGBTQ. They're, they're, we're struggling, guys. We're struggling. We're, we're, we're struggling. Our kids, these young teenagers right here, they're, they're trying to navigate a world we don't even know. The pressure, the bullying at school, all of that stuff. And not only is it bullying, not only, I mean, I mean, think about this, guys. It used to be, it used to be back in my day, right, Joe? You, you got in a fight with somebody, you fought and whoever won, then you got up, you shook hands and go, man, he beat me. And then you went off. Nowadays, they don't, guys. They, you have to navigate guns and knives. And then if that's not enough, it's social bullying. And they're evil. They're cruel. I mean, there are people, I think, literally that stay in the basement of their mom's house, and they troll, and they're just evil. And they just sit there, and they just say ugly things to people. You should do this. You should kill yourself. You should go out. I'm just like, what are people doing? But this is what we got to do. We've got to take up the whole armor. We've got to go, okay, okay. We got to be on the attack. We got to pour into these kids. We got to do whatever it takes. And even our babies, even our babies, what are they listening to? Yes, Jesus loves me. I mean, what do we, what do we really need to pour into them? Got a little preachy there. Sorry. Okay, I'm not sorry. But anyway, let's go on. Well, we say goodbye to Hagar and Ishmael. The scene changes back to Abraham. Okay, so there it is, right? The living water, the shade. Now the scene changes. So tonight in our text, we're going to change a little bit gears. Okay, right? We're going to change gears and we're going to, we're going to talk about broken relationships. Broken relationships. And how can God heal them, right? Now, listen, it's been said, if you want to heal your broken relationships, you must confess the wrong that you have done, confront the wrong done to you, and confirm the right path going forward, unquote. Our study tonight reminds us of this story concerning the conflict and the healing of a relationship, okay? And, and again, it reminds me of a story, crazy story. Listen to this story. It says, three weeks after her wedding day, Joanna called her pastor in hysterics. So three weeks, three weeks after her wedding day, Pastor, she cried. 
She said, John and I had our first fight together. It was awful, she says. Three weeks. She's calling the pastor. She says, Pastor, what am I going to do? And so the pastor says, calm down, Joanna, calm down. Leaning back in his chair and shaking his head, he says, this isn't nearly as bad as you think. Every marriage has to have his first fight. It's natural. And she says, I know, I know, Joanna said impatiently. But what am I going to do with the body? Right? I was like, wow, that went down real fast. It's, it's a sad reality, though, guys, that conflict is a natural part of every relationship. The trick is to handle the conflict in a way that we don't end up killing each other. Can I get an amen? So how do we do that? How do we heal broken relationships? How do we resolve conflict that brings us closer together rather than tear us apart? Well, in our text, about 2,000 years ago before Christ, two powerful men found themselves at odds with each other. You go, who are they, Ben? Well, remember, they're Abraham and Abimelech. Now, in their relationship prior, there had been lying and stealing between them, and, and it was resulting in conflict, and it threatened to destroy many lives. Even so, they found a way to resolve their differences and to bring peace with each other. And that's what chapter 21 towards the end will be. So let's pick it up, guys. That's what's going to happen in verse 22. Notice it says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Okay, let's get some perspective, okay? Everybody put your thinking caps on. About a year earlier, okay, Abraham had lied to Abimelech. Um, some say it's a year, some say it's four, just kind of put that in perspective, okay? And Abimelech got into trouble, right? Um, you can look with me real quick. If you go back to chapter 20, it all started as Abraham journeyed to the south. He came up to a place called Gerar. He looks at his wife and what does he say? Tell him you're my sister. I don't want to die. Tell him you're my sister. You're gorgeous. Tell him you're my sister, right? This was the second time that Abraham did this. Tell him you're my sister. Tell him you're my sister. And Abraham, right? And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, what did he do? All right, okay. And so he took her, guys, and he was going to make her his wife. He was going to make her part of the harem. He's going to have this many wives. But God shows up. God shows up and he keeps this pagan king from sinning. Now think about Abraham for just a moment. The Bible says that he was old. He was about 100 years old. And you would think that Abraham had some wisdom and some sanctification in his old life. You would think, Abraham, you're 100. What are you doing? That's the second mistake you made. Come on, buddy. But here's what I found out, guys. I want you to learn from this point. This is so important. Age doesn't automatically sanctify us. Age doesn't automatically sanctify us. Well, I've been living a long time. I No, no, no. Unless we're yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, we are willing in our old age to still be sinful. We have to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Just because we grow up does not mean that we're sanctified. We have to still depend on the Holy Spirit. And Abraham's 100, and you would think he wouldn't make that mistake. 
Why did he make that mistake? Oh, okay. He needed to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. I get it. Well, God steps in, right? And you recall the story. He speaks to Abimelech in a dream, tells him, hey, hey, don't touch her. That's Abraham's wife. Eventually, the truth comes out, and Abimelech was spared a lot of hardship, but the relationship was never the same after that. Abimelech, check this out, couldn't trust Abraham. Abimelech couldn't trust Abraham. Abraham is a man of God. And a pagan king says, we can't trust him. We can't trust him. Wow. You go, Ben, okay, okay, I get the point. But here's what I want, here, here's what I want to impart on, onto you. Make sure you and I guard our testimony and that people can trust us. That's so important. Let's let our yes be yes and our no be no. And if you're going to be somewhere and you tell somebody you're going to be somewhere, make sure you're there at the time you're going to tell them you're going to be there. The world is watching. Guys, we are different. We're different. I understand things happen, but, but again, think about this. Here is a pagan king. I mean, how is Abraham going to win anyone to the Lord if he's already broken the trust? Well, we know he does that. <sighs> but he realizes that Abraham is becoming what? He's becoming rich and powerful in the land. I need to trust him. I don't right now, but I need to. You see, it was obvious that God was blessing Abraham. So Abimelech comes back to Abraham to make things right. He comes with his commander of his army, and something's changed. You go, what's that? Guys, look at verse 20, uh, 22 again. Notice what Abimelech says. He spoke to Abraham, and he says this, God is with you in all you do. Do you guys see that? You go, okay, Ben, what, 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 what's the point? I mean, what is, what is that all about? Well, I want you to note here and circle this and maybe make a little notation in your Bible. You go, what's that? I want you to think of the testimony of Abraham at this point, okay? It says, God is with you in all you do. Let's say it's been about four years, one to four years between chapter 20. We see that God is obviously blessing Abraham. God's blessing him. The, the king says, look at this. This is crazy. Wow. Wow. What a testimony. What a testimony. Now, here's what, here's what we need to, to understand. Abraham, although he made a mistake twice that we've read, right? He looked at his wife and said, man, I don't want to die. Tell him you're my sister. Twice, God had to save her, bring her back. I feel so bad for for Sarah because I know that would not fly in my house. Um, after the first time, my wife would punch me in the nose, say, what are you doing? But Abraham didn't permit, guys, one lapse of faith to cripple him. He got right with God and made a new beginning. Do you see that? He kept going. You see, it's the same for us. Listen to this. This is so key. This is so important. Our mistakes, our bad choices, our lapse in faith at sometimes, do not let them cripple you. 
Do not let them cripple us. Those mistakes, those choices, those things in life, the difficult situations, they have a way of rendering us ineffective for God. They do. But the lesson that we need to learn from Abraham is really, really clear. Confess it, get it right with God, and keep moving forward. Don't stay there. Keep moving forward. God, I am so sorry. I blew it. I said this. I said my wife. And blah, blah, you know, I'm just, I'm, and, and keep moving forward. Guys, if we don't, the enemy will cripple us and he'll render us. And, 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 and that's what he wants to do. That he wants to do. He wants to take your mistakes and render you ineffective for him for the rest of your life here on earth. Hey, Lord, I blew it. Maybe I blew it. And then I'm going to move forward. And God says, amen. And he's blessing Abraham. He's blessing Abraham. Look at verse 23. Now, therefore, he says, this is Abimelech, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offsprings or my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land which you have dwelt. Notice, here's the terms of the treaty. Abimelech comes, Abraham, swear to me that you're not going to do anything underhanded. Why would he say that? Because he's already broke the trust. He says, don't do anything underhanded to me or my family. For as long as you live here, swear that you'll treat me and the land as I have treated you. I love that Abimelech comes to Abraham, even though the last time they met in chapter 20 was challenging. Lots of lies and deception. He comes up. Listen to this. Listen to this. In chapter 20, 14 through 16, this is their first encounter. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen, male and female servants. He gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, back to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases. Then 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 to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates me before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. That's what happened. And yet now Abimelech says, I need to take care of this. I need to take care of this. Guys, listen to this. Broken relationships take time and work. Broken relationship. It's only under the direction of the Holy Spirit that it can be healed. And so Abimelech comes and it's been four years. And he comes back and he says, man, I see that God is blessing you. You're becoming powerful and rich. He says, let's make a treaty. Let's make a treaty. Abimelech had a choice. He said, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Man, you dealt falsely. You lied to me. You said she was your sister. I could have, you could have ruined everything. As a matter of fact, God was not going to give me any children because of you, Abraham. Read the text. But he doesn't. He comes and he says, okay, we got, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. In verse 24, Abraham says, I will swear. In other words, amen, I'm, it's done. It's done. And so once Abraham said it's done, notice he says, Um, Let's talk about some other business. Let's talk about some other business. Let's talk about a well. Look at verse 25. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servant had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor I had heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made 
a covenant. Guys, what do you see there? What do you see there? Okay, they're having an exchange. But one of the things we realize, guys, is this, is that sometimes we have to over-communicate in order to find out what's going on. Abimelech goes, I had no idea. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We see some insight into Abraham that he has some sort of a grudge, although he's made a treaty. He says, now you need to treat me right. He says, okay, it's done. But by the way, let's talk. Let's talk. And it's so important. But here's what we need to do, guys. We need to, as believers, we need to be careful that we don't come so hard and be like, well, well, let me tell you about something. You want a treaty. I've got some stuff. What about that? Well, he says, let's take care of this first. That's good business. Oh, and by the way, and here's the point. The point is, is that Abraham says, here's, here's the well. What, what's going on? And Abimelech goes, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. And so Abraham says, well, let's make a covenant. That's my well. That's my well. Let's make a covenant, right? Why? Well, it's so important. He says, now, now here's what we got to do. Let's go back for just a moment. Abimelech says to Abraham, swear, swear, okay? Don't deal falsely with me, swear, right? The Hebrew word swear means to bind by seven things. And the word swear is sabah in Hebrew, but the word seven is seba. And they're very similar. Okay, so he said, swear to me, right? But a covenant is much, much deeper. This time, he says, no, no, it's not just swear to me that, that, that that's my well. He says, listen, the two men went beyond merely giving an oath. They said, we need to make a covenant. How do you make a covenant back in the day? You sacrificed animals. You sacrificed animals. That was a covenant. It wasn't just a handshake. Okay, oh, praise the Lord, amen. Okay, that's my well. I didn't even know about it. Sorry, take it back. They said, no, 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 we need to make a covenant, okay? Verse 28, and Abram set seven lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs by which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be a witness that I have dug this well, right? The seven ewe lambs, they represent the sacrifices of a covenant ceremony. He says, we're going to take these, and by you taking them from me, you're agreeing that this was my well. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It wasn't just my word against yours. You understand. I understand. I understand. In verse 31, it says, Therefore, he called the place Beersheba, because the two men swore an oath there, and they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and he returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a timorous tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistine many days. Your attention, please. Remember what's going to happen, right? Abraham is living in the land, right? He's a sojourner. He has to have a restored relationships if he's going to live in the land. He doesn't want to cause problems. He's already caused problems. He can't go to Egypt. God didn't call him to Egypt. He called him into the land of Canaan. Well, now all of a sudden you've got Abimelech. And so now that broken relationship is healed. It's healed. And if you don't see it, it's God's beautiful hand around the whole situation. It's a beautiful hand. And what happens is that he says, okay, let's do this. And Abimelech and Phicol said, okay, amen. 
And so what it happens, guys, is Abraham planted a tree, and there he called on the name of the Lord. And then he stayed in the land of the Philistines. Now, let me just give you a side note, okay? Let me give you a side note. Abimelech, okay, was the king of Gerar. Gerar was identified in being the land of the Philistines, or Peleset in Hebrew. In the parallel story, Isaac and Abimelech, Abimelech resides over Gerar and is specifically called the king of the Philistines. Jot this down, chapter 26, verse 1. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. However, it's probably not the same Abimelech, but he may be encountering Abimelech's son. But in chapter 26, as we get to Isaac's story, we're going to see this. Now, my Bible students in here, I want you to see that it mentions Philistines, but you go, wait a minute, the Philistines in Genesis 21, they didn't exist at the time. They didn't come until David's day. So what is he talking about? Well, there was a group of people that actually settled, and they were a peaceful group of people that settled in the Mediterranean coast right there, and, and they were not the troublesome people that David group, but they were called the Philistines, or basically from Palestine there in Hebrew. And that's where we get the group of the Philistines. Now, we know in David's group, they were always fighting against Israel and, and so forth and so forth and so forth. Now, that's our story. But I want to circle back because I want to talk about broken relationships and how God can heal them. Okay? Broken relationships. Think about this, guys. Healing a broken relationship can be tough. I understand that. You may have had some words. You may have been, right, something may have happened, and it's tough. Especially when you're still determining whether the relationship is fixable. So in your mind, you're going, listen, it, I know it was bad, but I really missed this relationship. Now, what I don't want you to um, just, I don't want you to file it away somewhere else. I want you to realize that some relationships that God's going to heal listen to me, still need to have boundaries. Just because God heals a broken relationship goes, oh, now we're BFF. No, no, there's boundaries, okay? But, but I want the relationship. I want to be able to see you at the grocery store and be okay and say, hi, how you doing? Hi, how are you? We've all been hurt by people. Can I get an amen? We've all been hurt by people, and, and sometimes it was our fault, and sometimes it wasn't, and most of the time it probably was our fault, but, but we want to restore relationships, and that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to restore relationships, but I understand boundaries. Everybody understand boundaries? There's times you go, okay, okay, listen, you know, I mean, I mean, the hurt that you gave me, I, I want to be able to say hi to you and make sure and see how you're doing and the welfare you're doing. I'm not going to necessarily invite you to my house. Maybe that is a relationship that you once had that you want again. Okay, but we know that they're tough. We know that they're tough. But if you know in your heart, listen to me, church, your relationship is worth saving, let me give you five ways, five ways to try to start and rebuild that. Five ways, right? You have a relationship, you go, Pastor, I know who I'm, you're talking about. I'm talking, what, do, what do I need to do? How do I need to do this, okay? Well, I'm going to give you five ways, and I'm going to refer back to the, the, the text that we just taught, right? You ready to jot this down? Number one, number one, here's the first one, communication. You know, Ben, that's Captain Obvious. Think about this, guys. From our text, both Abraham and Abimelech had to communicate, okay? They had to communicate. They had to talk. 
I wonder if Abraham was even feeling good. I don't want to talk to Abimelech. The last time I went to Abimelech, oh my goodness, it, was, it wasn't cool. I mean, I, I told him this was my wife, and now I, I mean, he rebuked me, and I was rebuked by a hidden king, and it was, I'm going to stay away from that dude. I'm just going to stay away. But you have to communicate, okay? Everybody knows how to communicate. The problem is, is that we think talking to each other is communicating, but it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper. We have to learn to communicate, guys. Right? From a practical step, from a practical step, when a conversation or argument arises, I think it's important to take a step back and really listen to what the other person is saying. That's communication. Communication is not saying, listen, this is my point, I'm right, you're going to do what I say, this is, it's going, okay, let me see. And then, and then we involve feelings right? We involve feelings. And what we need to realize about feelings is that feelings are neither right or wrong. This is just how we feel. And so we have to learn how to communicate our feelings to where it doesn't look like. And so communication, I think, in a relationship is key. Take a step back. Communicate. What are you really saying? What am I saying? This is how I was hurt. This is what you did. I understand. What's the second? What's the second one we need to do? This is, a, this is a no-brainer, too, is for believers. Number two, it's forgiveness. Forgiveness, that's so important. To restore a broken relationship, there's got to be forgiveness. Think about this. Both Abraham and Abimelech had to forgive the lies and the transgressions in order to restore that relationship. They had to. He says, listen, I don't know. Don't, 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 do, don't deal falsely with me. Don't do that, but I have to trust you. And in order to trust somebody, you have to forgive them. Now, remember, this is a relationship you're going, yeah, this is, uh, it's worth fixing. It's worth fixing, fixing. Now, I understand, church, that forgiveness is one of the hardest, most crucial steps to healing in a broken relationship. That's the hardest thing to do. We have been hurt. We have been wounded. And the only way we can do that and offer forgiveness is through the power of the Holy Spirit. He has to be present in your life in order to begin that process. But it's worth forgiving, so. What's number three? Let me give you this one. Jot this down. Honesty. Honesty. In our text today, we learned that Abimelech communicated honestly towards Abram. Abraham reciprocated the same things. Even though it was hard, Abraham confronted Abimelech on the, wall that, on, on the well that wasn't him. So they were honest with each other. You see, Abimelech could have said, hey, let's make a treaty. And Abraham said, amen. And then he could have just left. But he goes, no, I I need to talk to you honestly, honestly. And here's what I put in my notes, guys, and you can write this down. Honesty in love. Honesty in love. Speak the truth in love. But we need to speak honesty in love. Sometimes we're honest, but we're really, really harsh. And the body posture and the tonality and all of those things that come along with communication, man, it's hard. It's harsh. Honesty in love will often heal a broken relationship. Now, again, there still may be boundaries, but the relationship relationship itself will begin to heal. Number four, responsibility responsibility. That's a good one. Why? Because both Abraham and Abimelech took responsibility. 
if you read verses 25 through 30 again, they both take responsibility. Yep, I know this is going to happen. I swear I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with them, and I won't, I won't do this. And, oh, I didn't know that was my will. I'm sorry. Both were understanding, listen to me, but both took personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. You go, Ben, explain that. Well, we must often, listen, let go of the explanation and the excuses. Well, that's because, or that's because, or I did this, oh, let me tell you why. Oh, hold up, wait a minute. It's sometimes we just got to go, okay. Okay, I understand my part in this. I get it. I understand my part. And whenever you're in a, in a, in a broken relationship that God's wanting to heal, oftentimes we got to say, okay, where's my, what's my part in this? And we don't. We want to justify how we're feeling based upon what you did and what you said. Well, if you want to have it, but, but it's like, but, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Both, guys, I always, I always say it, 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 it always takes two to tango. Okay, it takes two. And, and, and we have to be, we have to be, believers with integrity enough to go, what is, what is my responsibility? And ask for forgiveness. And, and, and say, oh, I'm sorry I, I did that. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Guys, let's be honest. There's a lot of times we say stuff. It wasn't our intent to hurt anyone, was it? We just say it and it's like, oh, but it does hurt them. And so we have to, we have to take our response. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Listen, once you acknowledge your responsibility, you will start to look at the relationship through a whole new lens. A whole new lens. Oh, what if they don't, what if they don't want to restore? I, I acknowledge my responsibility. I ask for forgiveness, and they still are ugly to me. You're clean before God. You said, hey, I, I, I confess my part. I confess my part. Yeah, but they didn't. Okay. Okay. See, both parties in a broken relationship like Abraham and Abimelech have to want to come and restore that relationship. Now, listen. Abraham and Abimelech, they're not going to be BFF. Okay? Abimelech's not like, hey, you and Sarah, come over for dinner next week. They, they have a relationship, but it's, it's healed. And so we understand that. Let me give you the fifth one. Patience. Patience. It took four years to restore this relationship from chapter 20 to the end of 21. And patience is something we don't have much of. Patience is a major key to healing broken relationships and rebuilding trust. We got to have patience. Give each person as much time as they need and be patient. Be patient. Good, practical ways that God can do that in our relationships. Well, we need to close right here. We've run out of time, but next week, okay, next week we get into some heavy stuff. 
we get into some heavy stuff. Why? Because now God's going to ask Abraham to, to, to offer his only son, Isaac. Wait a minute, you just gave it to me. And I just sent Ishmael away. But you got to know that something happened to Abraham between 21 and 22 that he was willing to sacrifice his only son to the Lord God of Israel. Something happened. His faith grew. His faith grew immensely. Looking forward to that next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word, God. We thank you for your great love for us. We pray, God, that even now, that you would continue to help us with our broken relationships. And Father, I understand, God, that um, it's not easy. But I see it in the pages of Scripture, God, and, and we can take some practical things. And Lord, help us to learn those practical things when it comes to restoring relationships. And so Lord, we thank you for who you are. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.